arguably put that on my tombstone. Like, beloved wife, mother, and final guest of Ellen. I'm Miranda Myers. And I'm Rebecca Down. And you're listening to Queer Bait. Queer Bait. Queer Bait. Queer Bait. Hi, I'm Miranda Myers. And I'm Rebecca Down. And we are your hosts for Queer Bait, the newest podcast on all things LGBTQ in Hollywood and beyond. On this episode of the podcast, we are going to be talking about Ellen DeGeneres. If you tuned in last week, we discussed what it was like to visit one of the last tapings of her show. And on today's episode, we are going to dive into the icon that is Ellen and the controversy that is Ellen. And let me just say that the show is now over. It had its last episode. Jennifer Aniston was on it, and it's officially over. Was Jennifer Aniston her last guest ever? Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I think I would I would arguably put that on my tombstone. Like, beloved wife, mother, and final guest of Ellen. After everything we're going to go over today, that's what you want on your tombstone? No, I don't, but I thought it was funny for right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah I, from the pictures that I saw, there were some, like, hugging and some crying, and then... And then it officially ended. I saw a really nice screenshot of Jennifer Aniston and Ellen hugging it out. So. That's cute. It was. Yeah. I Uh, like Jennifer Aniston for the most part, so. I like her as well. I think she's pretty not problematic. We also recently watched Where the Millers. Again. Mm Mm-hmm. Still slaps. No issues with that movie. Oh, I love that movie. 10 out of 10? Pretty close. I'll save that for the film podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah. Anyway, today we'll be talking about Ellen. Keep listening to hear more. Before we get started on talking about Ellen today, I actually read a really cool piece of news. Um, It is not related to Hollywood, but it is related to sports or sports adjacent. And I just thought that it would be fun to share. Um, But it was announced that Justine Lindsay will be the first out transgender woman to cheer for an NFL football team. And they announced that she will be cheering with the Carolina Panthers. Wow. Football team out in America, which is a really big deal. I had to put together what all those words meant, actually. <laughs> but yeah, it's a great was... concept. Love it. Um, yeah, she's going to be one of 30 members on the 2022-2023 Top Cats. That's the cheer squad's roster. Um, and she will cheer for the Carolina Panthers from the sidelines and during energetic halftime performances. I love that. I'll have to tune in. What is it again? Carolina Panthers? Yeah, and it's American football, the NFL. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. You're, you're welcome. The National Football League. Um, I just, I did think that this was an interesting bit of information because she openly acknowledged in an interview that when she was applying for it, she actively marked transgender on the box, worried that that would knock her out of contention, and it did not. She was actively picked, and she's really excited um good for her that actually is some really happy news especially with everything that's been going on just in general with like sports and transgender transgender people so that's a fantastic um good news yeah i mean kind of last bit on this same thing there's no official records of nfl cheerleader demographics um but the majority have been white cisgender women for a really long time of course and men didn't even join the nfl cheer squad until 2018 when quentin perrin and napoleon jenny's cheered for the los angeles rams and they both were the first at the same time back in 2018 so like they've been making very slow strides in cheerleading in the professional sphere hmm. but anyways if you're at all interested justine Lindsay will be representing the cheer squad for tune the in to the panthers yep 
And if you're here to hear about Ellen, stay tuned for a couple more seconds and we'll get that going. Today we're going to go over kind of like the history of Ellen, um, how she got her start in the business, and the, the like infamous canceling of her TV show when she came out, which really is, I think, um, why she's so well known at this point. But it was a really brave thing to do, I think, back then. Ellen had a TV show in the 90s that was called the... It was just called Ellen, actually. Like Seinfeld, but Ellen. Yeah, exactly. Um, it was actually initially called, like, Friends Around or something. But then the TV show Friends came out at the same time. So they changed Ellen's name, Ellen's TV show's name, just to Ellen. So that it wouldn't be confused with the TV show Friends. Am I not gathering her level of fame right? Like, was she big enough to have a show just called Ellen? You know what I mean? Like, they weren't even going to call it that. And then they're like, well, I actually I had the same thought because to my understanding, before she had this television show, she was just doing stand-up. Mm -hmm. But she had um, gained popularity doing stand-up on, like, late-night talk shows. Yeah, I saw that as well. Like, I guess I didn't realize she was running the circuit as much as she yeah. must have been at the time, which I was not privy to. Um, um, yeah, I wondered that. So Ellen had this TV show, and around this time, there was a lot of um, homophobia, to be frank. Uh, the year right after Ellen came out on the show is when Matthew Shepard was murdered. The year before, there was, like, a lot of hatred for this, like, gay Olympian that had come out, and everyone was, like, braiding him. So it's not like things were feeling okay, and she was like, I'm going to do this. Um, arguably... There were lots of national headlines with a lot of um, homophobic incidents happening, like, directly around this. But her TV show had a lot of, like, kind of stepping around her coming out. Like, they put a lot of jokes in. I watched this montage that I thought was really funny, actually, where all the time her character would be like, oh, I'm in the closet. Or, like, she'd be like, you just don't know how hard it is. Like, what if I've been lying to you this whole time and I'm actually left-handed like things like that where like, uh, like she had yeah they're like what if i'm actually left-handed yeah uh. like she hadn't come out yet but there was like the show was already like putting these hints in mm. um which was because of ellen she had a lot of or not a lot but she had a good amount of sway sure. on the tv show which i'm saying her star power at that point must have been bigger than we thought because yeah. i think if you're like, kind of a mid-low-level comedian getting your own show. Like, sure, they want your brand, but they might also have a really heavy hand in, like, crafting that. Well, then I wondered if just back in, like, the 90s, there was more power to the people a little bit. Like, I'm less, not sure. I don't really to the know. companies. Like, she could, she has more of a say? Yeah. You know, I get that vibe. Did you, <laughs> sorry, a little off topic, but in, like, the movie being the Ricardos, which I recognize is not a document, like, documentary, they do have the character playing Lucy have, like, a huge say in the show. And that frustrated everyone, but the whole point was, like, she was really, really invested and, like, mm -hmm. had a big say, which I, I guess I would think is pretty accurate. So maybe, yeah, there was a little bit of that. Ellen really had a say mm -hmm. and was like, I don't want to lie about this, but if we're not going to talk about it, then make it funny. She did really have to, though, push the showrunners and the execs to allow her to come out on the show. Um, in her interview with Oprah, she talks a lot about um how she really wanted to do this for the character and for herself but it was actually a lot for herself mm -hmm. that she just wanted to be out and she wanted a lot of um gay people to understand that it's okay to be out 
Um, so that brings me to her infamous Oprah interview. Infamous? Is that the right word? No. Her famous Oprah interview where she discusses coming out herself. Um, Oprah actually played a therapist on the TV show Ellen and helped her character come out as well. So just because I haven't watched the show. So on the the show Ellen, which was like a sitcom, mm-hmm. Ellen comes out on the show to Oprah and Oprah on the show is playing a therapist. So they like write up a scene. I think, yes. On the show. Mm-hmm. They do that. Ellen comes out on the show. And then in real life, Oprah sits down with Ellen to talk about that scene and its creation and what it meant. And, and that then was like to her talk com- about coming out basically for real. Yes. And then they really focus, though, on like the Time magazine and like Ellen's personal coming out. Right. They actually talk a lot about like Ellen as a person versus the TV show, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really interesting. Oprah actually got a lot of hate from this as well, from Ellen's coming out. So yeah. did her. And you, yeah, and we've, and, and we've read about it and we've seen it happen where, like, the whole being associated with Ellen at this time was not really necessarily a good thing because I know Oprah got pushed back for this, which obviously didn't affect Oprah's trajectory much. She's probably one of the biggest names on the planet still, and her show's not even on anymore. But the other person who I remember really catching a lot of heat for that was Laura Dern, mm-hmm. who also had a role in Ellen's, like, coming out journey. Yes. So the exact scene or the exact episode that Ellen comes out, Laura Dern is, like, playing her friend or something, and they go to, like, a department store or something together, and Ellen accidentally comes out in front of everyone now um, by, like, talking into the microphone for, like, the cashier. And Laura Dern is there, and then she, like, gives it the okay sort of thing. So Laura Dern gets blackballed a little bit, a little bit blacklisted from Hollywood for being a supportive friend to Ellen on Ellen's show about Ellen coming out. Yes. Terrible. I hate that. I hate that so much, especially because Laura Dern is such a, like, fantastic person. Like, she seems so nice and genuine in real life that, like, she was struggling to get roles because she was nice to Ellen. Yeah, and both her and Ellen are basically um, blacklisted for a few years, um... Ellen doesn't get her shot again at, like, real star power until she's casted, cast in Finding Nemo as Dory in 2003. And this really surprised me because I thought that the Ellen DeGeneres talk show was, like, up and running before she got cast as Dory. Finding Nemo comes out in, like, May 2003, and the Ellen DeGeneres show starts... Like, the end of the year, 2003. Oh, so they were really close together. Yes. So they were probably, from like, what in I read, at the same time. Yeah, from what I read, people, like, she utilized um, the, like, having, finding Nemo under her belt as, like, look, I'm getting back out there. Like. That's so interesting. It's that's interesting what I to me heard. to be, like, an animated TV show is, like, look, guys, I'm getting back out there. An animated movie, I'm sorry, is, like, I'm getting but back it out was, there. But it was Pixar, which was huge at the time. They had just done... Like Toy Story. Well, I wonder which if they're giant. like touching studios like Warner Brothers and Pixar. Are they at all related, or is that just so vastly off? Because because the Ellen Show talk show is Warner Brothers. I don't know. Me I don't think they're connected. But I uh, Pixar was its own thing before Disney bought it. Sure. Anyways, um, 
So yes, Ellen experienced a lot of pushback because of her coming out and uh, eventually lands the role of Finding Dory and then eventually lands her talk show, The Ellen DeGeneres Show, which is what just ended and what we were on. Yeah. And what we talked about last week. Right. Um, I have an article that I pulled up that is actually just a survey done in 2013. And according to this article, Ellen DeGeneres really was the face of, like, gay people in America. Mm -hmm. According to everyone that they polled, I don't have the exact stats here, but uh, 32% of people said that Ellen DeGeneres was the first public figure they thought of when they thought of, like, gay or lesbian people. Um, She polls way higher than second place. Second place was Jason Collins, and he came at 7%. So... I don't 32. Know who that is. He was, from what I understand, a basketball player, but I don't really that know him as well. That seems even zestier than a talk show host to be coming out at that time. Yeah, he's like a gay black man, no. basketball player, so... I'm sorry, Jason. I support you, though. <laughs> Wherever you are, man. But I just find it really interesting that, yes, people really um, recognized her coming out, and in 2013, she really was, like, the forefront of on people's minds according to like i don't know this survey group which is crazy because i still think she would rate really high now but i don't think there'd be such a a big disparity like i still think maybe she could take the top spot but there would not be that big of a disparity between 32 percent and jason collins at what seven percent seven percent no i don't think it'd be that big now um no i don't think so either but i have this quote from the article so in 2013 this woman who was polled said she has been out for so long that it is no longer an issue and older white women feel comfortable with her show she normalizes lgbt people and what this quote really shows is that ellen's strength was that she was really trying to make lgbt people relatable and normalize the fact that like gay people are just like you she says the same thing in her oprah interview in 1997 that like I think this is paraphrasing her here, but she says something like, gay people are not just walking around naked, having sex all the time, swinging off of chandeliers. Like, we're just like you. Then she goes on to say, actually, I think a lot of heterosexual people are doing that probably as well. (laughs) Um, My point being that that was her main goal in 1997, and it, I think, remained her goal even now, was just to always find those, like, similarities, to always be like... LGBT people are just like you. You don't need to worry. We're all the same. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And I think that part of that comes from the fact that Ellen, when she was trying to prove that you're all the same, really needed the support of everyone. Like, she was really trying to, I think, bring everyone together. And to do that, she built a brand that was so center on everything. Mm -hmm. Like, it was so... She was a really nice person. She was not an overly political person. I don't even know if she's ever declared, like, a favorite sports team. You know what I mean? Like, she was not going to be super controversial in any which way aside from her sexuality. Yeah, like, that's already where she put all those coins. If she if she needs to succeed, she needs to, like, be lovable in every other way. Yeah. And that's really, I think, how she, like, succeeded so well with, like, the conservative white demographic. Like, she's really... When I was looking up quotes, she's really well known for, like, reaching even, like, the white 
midwestern mom like you know what i mean like even those women loved her um and that's not to like downplay what she actually did for the lgbtq community especially in the early 2000s to like the early 2010s things like that like she really um made a lot of like big steps and like allowed us to reach the point that we got to like i don't want to say that she didn't do important things by having a voice and being someone that like those midwestern moms enjoyed watching it did bring more acceptance i think to lgbt to the lgbtq community for sure like she was undoubtedly a trailblazer in that respect and so she did build a brand she built a brand on being nice and being pretty bland in terms of like opinions um but yeah, she, she meant so much and she did so much for representation and the media and like becoming the face of one of the biggest talk shows probably ever, mm-hmm. especially daytime talk shows. Very few do I know that are more popular aside from maybe Oprah <laughs> that have reached the same kind of heights. Mm-hmm. And maybe because of that, when we f- are kind of getting into the territory of the last couple years of Ellen and her, the start or what felt like the start of her downfall it was because she had built this brand that was so centered on being nice and being in the middle. And so when there's cracks in that persona that she's really put forward, people are really like holding her maybe like super, super accountable for every single thing she's ever done. Yes. I actually have a quote here that I would like to read if I can. Mm -hmm. Um, It's from an NBC News article. I'll post it inside of our bio for the episode. Um, But it goes, quote, there is no room for error for her there are a few if any second chances especially considering that her show the ellen degeneres show is her second chance and she has spoken variously including in her comedy show relatable about how the be kind motto has ultimately boxed her in quote from ellen i cannot do anything unkind now ever i have bad days but i can't do the things you do because i'm the be kind girl unquote so that just kind of goes into what you were saying about her being like so center that she's never allowed to make any of those errors and when she does make those errors it really stands out to her people who have followed her for so long yeah so with that in mind it was i think doubly disappointing to a lot of fans of ellen um when she started becoming kind of a more controversial figure um it was disappointing in the first respect because she was such an icon and like you don't want to find fault in her if she's really been a trailblazer and then the second point was just like she's built this brand as being someone who's really nice and i think it disappoints people to see someone who's not as nice as maybe they now you feel like pretend to be Mm -hmm. and the first thing that i think and maybe it's not the first thing she was ever controversial for but in maybe the modern iteration of her being a controversial figure was back in 2019 when she was spotted with President Bush. Mm -hmm. And really it was just people were upset with her because they felt like, why are you going to represent such kind of forward progressive thinking and just who you are and then hang out with casually, like this was not a political event, someone who's conservative by nature yes and so people like mark ruffalo who plays what the hulk Mm -hmm. bruce banner bruce banner 
um very famous actor who he's a celebrity who often speaks out about a lot of progressive ideas or liberal ideas just so you know yeah and he spoke out via twitter um basically just saying like if you're spotted with someone who really pushed like pro-war thoughts and mentalities and actions and you're just hanging out with him like you can't be a kind person like the people you associate with also determine who you are Mm-hmm. basically like taking shots at ellen being like you can't be a nice person and also hang out with bush which i agree with yeah i agree as well um very much guilty by association um yeah so then she went on her own show and didn't really make an apology for this um as much as a justification yeah for doing it um which we have parts of the quote of what she said in addressing that because I guess that it was mildly a big deal. Um, But paraphrased, she said, uh, I was invited to this football's event with the Cowboys by the daughter of the owner of the Cowboys. Mm -hmm. And I knew that there would be people with different views and beliefs as myself there. Mm -hmm. She then went on to say, but... Basically, I feel like she backtracked on herself. If she would have just stopped there, it's like, okay, you didn't know he was going to be there. You got sat next to him. It is what it is. Yeah, and then she chooses to be fairly honest, I think. Too honest. Um, She then states something like, but really, I am friends with people who are different than me, and I have lots of friends who are different than me. So, And then she even addresses her brand, which is like, when I say be kind... I don't just mean be kind to the people who have the same views and ideas as you. I mean be kind to everybody, which is great in theory, um, but it was justifying something that people were, like, pretty upset about. Yes. And so it was interesting that she could have just ended it there. She could have kind of just been like, yep, I knew there was going to be different people there, and I went. And instead, she really, I think, put her foot in her mouth a little bit and made it worse. So people already tentative of Ellen now. They're smelling blood in the water now, and they're ready for Ellen to do something wrong again. And she does, immediately after. Oh, wow. If the Bush photos in October 2019, by December 2019, you get the now very, very infamous, but very entertaining interview between Dakota Johnson from Fifty Shades of Grey and Ellen on Ellen's own show, which is interesting to me because it's an awkward interview at best. I don't know why you would do that and then air it anyways. She's aired a lot of awkward interviews. Yeah. For a minute there, I thought that Ellen was just a bad interviewer, but she has good I ones. watched, like, ten bad ones yesterday. Yeah, but, like, when we saw her, I thought hers with Mark Wahlberg was fine. But, why? Well, yeah, watching her with Dakota Well, then Johnson, I wondered... Sorry. No, go ahead. I wondered if she just genuinely must like Mark Wahlberg. And some guests in her show, she just lets it come out that she's annoyed. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I feel like that makes you a bad inter- interviewer. For sure. But... This might be a little bit jumping ahead, but even Dakota Johnson in that interview says, I thought you didn't like me. Like, yeah, yeah. And it's crazy. So this whole the breakdown of this interview, and you should really just watch it if you've got three minutes, because it probably doesn't last any longer than that, <laughs> um, is basically um, that Ellen tells Dakota Johnson that she's offended that she wasn't invited to Dakota's birthday party. Mm-hmm. And... Ellen says verbatim, happy belated birthday. How was the party? I wasn't invited. (laughs) And Dakota Johnson says... And is that not a setup just in general? In everyday life, I'd be like, why are you approaching me like this? 
Yeah, like, yeah, in any in any place, being like, how was your birthday? I wasn't invited. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, in to be in front of a studio, maybe the goal is, like, you're in front of a studio audience, you know, I'm just joking with you a little bit, but no, I get why you also wouldn't like that at all, ever, mm-hmm. even if it's for the sake of the joke, I'm now the butt of the joke. And the audience laughed, and Dakota looks at her and says, actually, no, that's not the truth, Ellen. You weren't invited. I have a t-shirt documenting the moment. Yes, you do. It's a beautiful t-shirt. Dakota Johnson says it very, very calmly in her, like, standard voice. I feel like that just works well for her, is that she's, like, calling Ellen out, but it's not at all aggressive. Um, It's also the phrasing, isn't it? That's why it became iconic. Yeah. That's not the truth, Ellen. It's not, that's not true, Ellen. You're right. There's a big difference. Yeah. She said that's not the truth, Ellen. Um, And Dakota told Ellen she made sure to invite her to the party because Ellen had given her a bunch of shit last year when she didn't get an invite to the party. Mm Mm-hmm um i did invite you and you didn't come is what dakota johnson says and then ellen like maybe saving face realizing this is getting a little awkward says this time you invited me are you sure i don't think so and dakota said ask everyone ask jonathan your producer and then ellen looks off camera and someone does jonathan confirm it's confirmed she was in fact invited to the party it is confirmed in the moment wow um and it was like an awkward interview blah 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 you kind of get over it people are like roasting ellen because that's like an uncomfortable position to put dakota johnson in and then you come to find out that the reason ellen was not at dakota johnson's birthday party guess where she was she was at the game she was at the game <laughs> with president bush where she had already been getting shit on for doing that mm-hmm. and so now the public if you weren't really against ellen for the bush thing in general is against ellen because she's like, set Dakota Johnson up, who's a pretty quiet person, to, like, look like a fool, made her defend herself, and in defending herself comes out, and it's, like, related back to the thing that she was kind of in hot water Isn't with. that funny? I think the world works in mysterious ways. A little bit, car- a little bit of karma. Yeah. <laughs> it's, funny that, it's funny that someone really did the research. Yeah, was they like, were able to where, figure her out. Where was Ellen, then, if she wasn't at that birthday party? Um... And so with that was spurred an internet culture that just, just for jokes, was like, all right, let's hear your worst stories about Ellen. After that interview, I don't believe her. Like, let's hear them. And people came out of the woodworks to relay terrible interactions with Ellen. And this is what year again? I'm sorry. This is um, in 2020. Someone said in a tweet, Ellen is one of the notoriously, sorry, Ellen is also one of the most notoriously mean people alive. Respond to this tweet with the most insane stories you've heard about Ellen being mean, and I'll match everyone with $2 to the LA Food Bank. And so people- That's very confident then that whoever posted that knows that there are those stories out there, you know what I mean? Yep. And in case you wanted to know, there were more than a thousand replies to his tweet. I'm sure that not all of them were legit replies. Not all of them were legit stories. Um, But we did get some pretty interesting ones. Are you going to read some for us today? Yeah, I can read some. Are you interested? Yes. I think one that we've talked about recently is that. um, So one of the most famous responses to that tweet was, Ellen has a sensitive nose, so everyone has to chew gum from a bowl outside her office before talking to her. And if she thinks you smell that day, you have to go home and shower. Um, another really, um, big one was Allison Freer, um, who was an author, said, I was working on a show at the Warner Brother lot, that's where Ellen films, 
um, and we were next to her stage. It was our showrunner's 50th birthday, so we had a caterer grilling steaks outside for a special fancy lunch. Um, and Ellen sent someone over to demand that they stop because she doesn't eat meat. No. And seen that's what they said. I hadn't heard this one, actually. Like, oh, you're having a birthday party? I don't eat meat. Shut it down. That's kind of crazy. Shut it down. What do they do in Pitch Perfect? They, like, snap and then they do the, like, kill motion? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know it's what that like, Sorry. Yeah. Um, that's what I, I imagined that. It was just like this. Um, but not <laughs> only did tweeters and, and maybe people that don't have a lot of, lot of fame come out of the woodworks to say this, mm-hmm. um, like, visitors of her show also started coming out and saying that they had a negative experience on Ellen. And maybe if it was, like, one person and caught Ellen on a bad day, you'd be like, okay. But now you've got many, many stories of her doing things that are mean. And then I feel like what was really the most prominent, famous person to interview on her show um, came in April 2020 when the beauty blogger um, from Nikki Tutorials um, described... Oh, she was on the show? She was on the show. Wow. Um, Where she really just said, like, basically Ellen was distant and cold and felt that she had a really disappointing experience as a guest on The Ellen Show. Her exact quote was, Call me naive, but I kind of expected to be welcomed with confetti cannons, but instead I was greeted by an angry intern who was a bit overworked. I was expecting a Disney show, but got Teletubbies after dark. Um, It was an honor to be on that stage with Ellen, but it wasn't as nice as I thought. After Ellen, I figured you really shouldn't meet your idols. (laughs) I read about a similar story that was from, like, a Bachelor contestant um and she stated that like she went on and accidentally ran into ellen backstage and that she was very cold and distant as well and that when the interaction ended the people all around like were all like frozen like that wasn't supposed to happen they're not supposed to meet before they get on stage like oh god what explosion could have happened right here which is crazy because it's like how hard is it to be like hi yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's got to be a very common thing. I think it's funnier to imagine that happening at, like, SNL where there's so many cast members. Like, you're bumping into someone. And they're all really mean. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a funny skit in and of itself. Um, if they do ever listen to this and use that, I would, like, credit. credit. Yeah. yeah. 10%. Well, we came up with that together, so. Just now. Yeah. So, five and five. That's fine. Exactly. Total of 10. Um, so, you've got random-ish people. You've got a celebrity. And then... Maybe, like, the worst of all, if you don't believe what these people are saying or you figure it's a one-off, you start getting all the accusations from her crew members who really are just unhappy with how Ellen is managing, really. And one of them was, like, her bodyguard who said she was just a rude person, like, didn't say hello or goodbye or acknowledge his presence. Um, And then the employee allegations starting in July of 2020 really started to just speak out and interview with all these different sources to talk about how bad it had been there. Um, Ten former employees of Ellen, um, all speaking anonymously, described it as a toxic work environment with a culture of racism, fear, and intimidation. It's crazy that Ellen, you could maybe say, like, okay, she's just rude. Like, these aren't, like, that big a deal. Like, she doesn't say hello and goodbye. But then you get to the point of, like, where her employees are literally saying that, like, they're fearful going to work. Intimidation. Like, these are more toxic than just not saying thank you. For sure. One employee said that the be kind bullshit only happens when the cameras are on and it's all for the show. Um, In fact, the former employees 
um, said that they'd been fired for taking medical leave, attending family funerals, and one for posting a selfie in the office on her Instagram stories. One person who escaped relatively lightly in the article was Ellen herself. She barely figured in the employee complaints, aside from one employee alleging that they were told never to talk to her if they saw her around the office. So, the employees themselves were not complaining about Ellen, they were complaining about the work environment. That's interesting, but doesn't it trickle down? Then that's where the conversation turned to, is if you're the person in charge of this, how do you not know? Or are you fostering that environment? I was going to say, like, if there are all these other allegations, basically, that she's been mistreating the people around her, how does that not trickle down into, like, the overall environment? Yeah, and I think that's exactly what basically came about, was like, okay, well, now, with all these allegations, this studio had to do an investigation. Mm -hmm. into what was happening was it ellen being mean was it the culture was someone else running um something that was vastly inappropriate and that did foster this environment of like fear racism and intimidation um and so that's what they started doing for starters ellen did have some complaints against her um before these allegations kind of started to come out they traced back to what we could find as far back as like 2007 right yes yeah and these modern investigations kind of only traced back to 2013 um maybe they didn't feel it was necessary to go back so far or maybe that's all they could really find that felt relevant to the modern um complaints but it's important to know that there were kind of some things brought up in 2007 that were kind of ignored and then it felt like people moved past it or whatever the issues were were maybe resolved internally without the public knowing um but in 2020 they jumped back to 2013 to start reviewing um Ellen, her workplace, her attitudes, whatever. Um, And they found that she was pretty difficult to work with on more than one occasion. Guests and celebrities were like, yeah, Ellen is terrible to work with. I hate working with her. Wow. She declares when she'll show up to set. She doesn't want to talk to you beforehand. She um, is just pretty rude. Um, Funny man Garrett, um, Brad Garrett, who was from Everyone Loves Raymond, appeared on the show six times between 2004 and 2007 um, and declared that any problems with the show come from the top. Mm. Um, It's a pretty telling critique. And that's kind of what the studio found as well in doing their investigations is that a lot of the complaints that were being lodged um, were focused on the producers of the show, not necessarily Ellen herself, which Mm -hmm. almost kind of goes back to what we were saying in that, like, if Ellen's just rude... That's not necessarily, like, a cancelable offense. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the things that did come out, unlike those tweets, were, like, almost so comical. You're like, is it, like, is it, are, is she allowed to tell you to not chew gum? You know what I mean? Like, that's weird. But would you cancel someone for it? Yeah. I yeah. mean, professors tell you not to chew gum. You know what I mean? Like, it's like. Yeah, like, where's the line in the sand? And I And you could argue she didn't cross it there. No, but when you are starting to be found for creating, like, an entire work environment, basically, right. that's, like, fearful, like I said before, that's when you really start to, like, yeah. get in some bad territory. And so that's why the studio did it, and they actually found her pretty empty of fault. Um, yeah, but they did find her producers at fault of creating an environment um, that leaned heavily into, like, sexual misconduct allegations, and they ended up Oof. letting almost all her producers go, except for maybe the most famous, who's Andy. Who's Andy. always in those, like, bits about just, like, going yeah, he's through... He's always on the show. ...haunted houses or, like, comical things. Um, so I think he was the only producer who made it out of that investigation without being fired. Um, 
But it felt like the studios really were like, Ellen's done nothing wrong. And you're kind of like, well, she's the name of the show. She mm-hmm. must have done something. And they were really like, no. No, we did not. Um, so even though 47 employees spoke out about it, um, what was changed was the producers and Ellen suffered pretty minor consequences to that. Does that mean that she's really free of responsibility for all this? No, and I think a lot of people held her to that. They were like, you are the boss. How did you not know? And also just like, does that mean all the people who responded to that tweet are liars? Like, these things still that we heard are bad. Like, and I... Yeah. I think we kind of, like, joked around about, like, the gum thing, but that definitely does, like, rude and cold behavior probably definitely feeds into a larger culture of people being rude and cold and, and, like, really walking that line between acceptable and not acceptable. Um, when you get into things like sexual misconduct, that's not a, that's not a blurry line at all. Yeah. Um, so if your producers are actively doing that, it's easy to just like throw them under the bus. But I do think, I imagine Warner Brothers was like, no, Ellen didn't do anything wrong because like she's the name and the money. Right. Way easier to get rid of a producer than it is to get rid of Ellen, Mm -hmm. which you can't really do. Um, but yeah, the public was not on her side. Everyone felt like she should have known. If she didn't know, she should have. There's no way you can't um portia goes online her wife and like has this like confusing defense of ellen that people were also like talking trash about where she was like i stand by ellen to all our fans we see you thank you for support um and she added the hashtag stop bot attacks which felt like she was suggesting that fake accounts would be helping to drive the backlash against ellen hashtag that in her interesting Stop bot Probably not really the truth. That's not the truth, Portia. It's not the truth, Portia. Actually, no. <laughs> That's not the truth, Portia. Um, so with that, um, all of that done, even though Ellen was kind of found of no wrongdoing herself, um, she did take the time to address it as like a monologue at the beginning of one of her shows. Which mm-hmm. is funny now, thinking about how we saw that recorded. I wonder if she had to monologue that three times. If she had more than one take. Was there an audience there? I don't remember. But it was on set. I remember that. I feel like there probably wasn't an audience there. But I don't know. Basically, she just says... She starts with, As you may have heard this summer, there were allegations of a toxic work environment at our show. And then there was an investigation. I learned that things happened here that never should have happened. I take that very seriously, and I want to say I'm so sorry to the people who were affected. But then her apology, complete with sarcastic jokes about how terrific her summer had been and how she was trying to work on her patience, really just, like, didn't sit well with the former employees and really the public. Especially, like, work on your patience. Yeah. Yeah. She's, like, in this apology, which you can watch online, she very much is, like, I'm a work in progress. I learned about that this summer. It's very hard being the be kind person, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And then people really just felt like it was unfulfilling. Like if you're going to do this monologue, like it should be serious and you should take it seriously and you should take accountability. I don't really know if she could have come out completely unscathed. I think people still would have been upset even if she had been like, I'm so sorry. It just, it just wasn't great for her, her brand, her show. Mm -hmm. Um, And immediately after that, she kind of lost, I think, the throne as the queen of daytime TV like her rating slid by 43 percent 43 percent 43 percent that's crazy genuinely yeah that's absolutely that's insane. a huge drop 
Um, it got outperformed by other daytime shows like Dr. <gasps> Phil. Oh, I was like, who? Dr. Phil. And I hoped you were going to say... Um... Kelly Clarkson. Yeah, Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> she'll, she'll be up and coming soon, but <laughs> no, her Ellen show slipped by 43%, and Dr. Phil and Live with Kelly and Ryan outperformed her for the first time, immediately wow. following, the season following all of this kind of drama. Then, and this is the end of maybe the saga, Ellen announced that she would not be renewing her show again. And she said... It's because it's not challenging anymore. When you're a creative person, you constantly need to be challenged. And as great as a show as this is and as fun as it's been, it's just not challenging for me anymore. Said after her rating slide, 43%. And she's embroiled in all this controversy. I almost believe maybe that's slightly true. You've just been on air for so long. Maybe you're kind of looking for a way out. But... You can't ignore everything that she's, like, that's happened. For sure. And I also think just in general, there's an easier way out. You can bow out with grace. You know, like, James Corden just announced his, and he's like, I'm going to wrap up the season, but I've been doing this for eight years now. I'm tired. I'm ready to, and I definitely think Ellen was forced out, and even then failed to take accountability. You know what I mean? Like, she, I think, fumbled the bag so hard. Well, are you going to take accountability then? Don't, wouldn't everyone lie about it, even if you're being forced out? Yeah, I guess Who's so. really going to go out there and being like, yeah, I really messed up. My show's ending. Yeah, I, I guess. But I, yeah, I mean, if you're really failing as a show, I think me personally, I'd try and live out like two more seasons. So at least it's two years out of the drama to be you like, just and now be I'm like, done. Yeah. yeah, like you've kind of hopefully forgot a little bit and now I'm bowing out gracefully. I've had a good ride. And with the way that the public minds work, we probably would have forgotten it in a few more years. Yeah. And so it almost feels worse that she's ending because it's like you ended on such a sour note. You were like forced out by the public. Yeah. Which then does make me feel like who will replace her? And this, I guess, is also maybe a little bit of the crux of the conversation is now a huge icon and arguably one of the biggest faces and representation for the queer community is leaving daytime television. And who's going to, like, replace that slot? And really, I feel like the two up-and-comers right now are Kelly Clarkson, who is America's sweetheart, who I absolutely adore, but who is, like, a straight white woman. Mm-hmm. Or Drew Barrymore, whose show is also, I think, gaining a lot of traction online. Who's also yeah. a straight white woman. I'm not sure Drew really would ever be chosen. Her, her show is, like, online, isn't it? I don't know, but I and liked it's... it. I can see it being picked up. I can see her being a name. Maybe. I think they're slating probably Kelly Clarkson to be the next queen. And I love, again, I love Kelly Clarkson, but I do think it's so disappointing to see Ellen leave. And I get that she would have had to eventually regardless without really feeling like there's going to be someone to take that slot in terms of representation. And maybe we see it elsewhere. Like Billy Eichner does whatever he does. Mm-hmm. Queer Eye has a whole cast of hosts. But you're right that... Daytime she TV. was an important yeah lesbian woman in that and space I, and, and I a think huge that's an name important in a huge name in that space thing to recognize yeah it's so tough for me because i feel like i really do respect everything that ellen did in terms of like trailblazing and i don't even falter for making a brand that was pretty center and not super political in either direction mm-hmm. And I think that it's almost why it hurts more when she, like, falls off that pedestal because it's like you meant so much for the community and I also thought you were a really nice person. I really did. And that's not to say she's not, but there's been so, like, I don't know her as a person. I've never met her. I don't have my own formed opinion through interaction, Mm -hmm. but it's like people are saying you're not a nice person 
And so it's just so tough, I think, to, like, it's a hard pill to swallow. Like, I think we can acknowledge that, like, having a prominent lesbian celebrity who, like I said earlier, has really brought a lot of um, awareness and accepting energy to the LGBTQ community. Like, it's sad to see a little bit, but it's more just, like, everyone has to fall, I guess. Yeah. And I guess in remembering Ellen's legacy, it is to remember the positives that she did and the barriers that she really broke down. Um, While acknowledging, though, that maybe along the way we didn't know her as well as we hoped. Yeah. And I think on a personal level, Ellen had some failures as a leader, for sure. Probably has some as a person if people really just didn't like interacting with her. Um, But she made it through a lot. She did a lot for the public's, I think, perception of queer people in the community. And, like, she started the Ellen Fund. She's raised, like, $450 million for charity. Done a lot of good work outside of the person that is Ellen. You know, like, her entity and her brand Mm -hmm. has done a lot and and reached really far. Um, And for that, we applaud her, but kind of wish that she had been better. Better. (laughs) (laughs) Um, As a person. Um, And kind of with all of that said, we've tracked Ellen. Hopefully. I think so. I think we took her from her beginnings, her little baby stand-up days. Which is not, I don't think, entirely funny, by the way. She had I didn't to been, watch any of it. <laughs> she had to have been funnier before because her recent Netflix comedy stand-up was not entirely funny. No, I thought it was all right. No. And I think that almost played into people's um, perception. perception of her, which is that she's lost it a little bit as, like, a talk show host and as a nice person who would need to be funny. You know what I mean? Yeah, and she wasn't. And it was, I don't know, to me it's just, yeah, she's so rich and famous and powerful now and that in that way that she just wasn't relatable like what made ellen so i mean that was the joke wasn't it yeah but i think that's pretty true about ellen now is that people are like yeah she like if before she was a really big team player and really one of the people now she's like i'll show up on set five minutes before and yeah. i'll do this and i'll do this and i'll do this and also my comedy special is going to be so unrelatable to you yeah that you've lost it a little so I guess that's all we really have for you guys today. Um, thank you for listening to Queer Bait this week. I'm Rebecca Down. I'm Miranda Myers. And we had a fun enough time talking about this little bit of a harsher topic. Mm-hmm. It's pretty interesting, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, if you guys want to stay involved with us, uh, we do have an Instagram that is Queer Bait Club. Uh, we also have a website, QueerBaitClub.com. It looks great. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, we do post articles there, podcasts there. You can find information about us there, and we would love it if you would visit. And stay tuned for more episodes of Queerbait, where we'll be talking about Lil Nas X, Taylor Swift, the movie Carol. <laughs> so many different things. And we are just really excited for everything that we are doing here. So thank you so much for listening, and tune in next week. Yeah, thank you guys. Bye.